Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's a necessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton, Danny Smythe, Jared Justice behind the wheels of steel. And we're kicking off our number two with a very special guest, Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. So before we get into some nuts and bolts, the actual journey, what's going, what may take place in the AFC North, we've got to ask you about Brian Hoyer because his longest stop outside of New England and maybe the best stop of his career was in Cleveland. What do you remember about the Brian Hoyer years with the Browns? Well, Brian played really well while he was here. He had the Browns, I believe it was first in the AFC North, uh, when he was benched at one point in favor of Johnny Manziel. He landed here during a very, very dysfunctional time. It was stressful. Uh, there were some in the organization that really wanted Johnny Manziel to play. So Brian did not necessarily get his fair shake. And, of course, it was even more difficult uh, based on the fact that it was his hometown. I mean, he was... Uh, you know, from here, he went to, to high school here. It was just uh, a very difficult situation uh, that he was put in. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan got the best out of him, and, uh, and, and he really played his heart out for the Browns. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan, he seems to have that effect on quarterbacks. The Raiders' presumable starting quarterback this season, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why we've got to talk about Brian Hoyer, because he could be the starting quarterback for the Raiders at least for a couple of games if Jimmy G is not healthy to start the season. But with his teammates around him, I know it was almost a decade ago at this point, but how was Brian Hoyer in the locker room? Was he a locker room leader from that standpoint of, of you know rallying the troops behind him? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the guys you know really loved Brian. He rallied the troops. He he was, like I said, he was in the midst of a really great season when, you know, he was weirdly benched. It was just, I just remember how challenging that was for, you know, for everyone because, uh, you know, he was a hometown favorite. And um, and it was just hard to, to watch how that, that all went down. Uh, he also tore his ACL here in a big Thursday night game against the Buffalo Bills in the 2013 season. And, uh, you know, and that was really, really unfortunate because, uh, you know, once again, it was, it was a great opportunity for him here. But he just was, you know, he was so well-trained uh, up there, you know, in New England, and, um, and he, he did a really, really nice job here. Again, we're talking to Mary Kay Cabot here on Unnecessary Roughness. You can follow her at Mary Kay Cabot on Twitter. So now let's move to the current Cleveland Browns because this year – Deshaun Watson, he's going to have a full season under his belt. What is it looking like, or what, is, what's, what are the fans talking about when it comes to Deshaun Watson and now him having that full season in Cleveland? Well, so far it's looking good. He has a, an upgraded receiving core. They've added four new pass catchers for him. They traded for Elijah Moore from the Jets. They drafted Cedric Tillman. They signed Marquise Goodwin and uh tight end that Deshaun has played with before in Jordan Aiken. So they've really beefed up his pass catching core, and I think that's going to help him tremendously. And then, of course, he will be around throughout the whole season instead of uh, having to leave the team right at the end of training camp like he did last year. So uh, I really think that that will make a huge difference in the fact that, you know, they, they're not going to be trying to adjust to him on the fly like they were last year. 
so I, you know, right now it all looks good. It looks good on the field. It looks good on paper, and um, and we'll see where he can take this team. Is DeAndre Hopkins? Is he an actual maybe? Let's say target for the Browns this late in the offseason? He's really not. Um, Deshaun kind of called for him and put his two cents in for DeAndre Hopkins, but it's really not in the cards. The Browns feel really, really good about their receiving core. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is, is not somebody that's expected to show up here on the doorstep unless, unless they have a major injury to a key receiver such as an Amari Cooper or an Elijah Moore or a Donovan Peoples-Jones or something like that. Barring that, uh, it was more so just, you know, something where Deshaun would have liked it to happen, but I think even he recognized that it was not a realistic possibility. Again, we're talking to Mary Kay Cabot here on Unnecessary Roughness. My man Jared's got a question for you. So with what we're seeing in the running back market throughout the entire NFL, um, do you believe the Browns are going to be proactive in pursuing um, re-signing Nick Chubb? Um, well, you know, Nick is under contract through next season, so he's not somebody that, you know, that they necessarily have to worry about right now. Um, I think it's something that they would probably revisit at some point, maybe next off season, in terms of extending him or reworking his contract or whatever the case may be. But as for as far as this season is concerned, uh, that is really not something that is on the front burner. Uh, just to go back to uh, Deshaun Watson, um, I was reading through your article, the uh, Hey Mary Kay article earlier today, and one of the people who wrote in to you asked what this team needs to be to set, uh, successful. And one of the things that you put down in the article was excellent leadership from the players. Do you see Deshaun Watson as being one of those excellent leaders with everything he's trying to come back from? You know what? Actually, yes, he really is a great leader of his teammates. Uh, I, I will say that that is uh, one of his strengths. These guys really follow him, and he knows how to lead. That's one thing that he's always kind of been known for. And in the offseason, he's done things like take the team, take his offensive teammates. Uh, you know, this year they went to Puerto Rico. Last year they went to the Bahamas. Uh, he, he really is someone who does rally the troops. And I think that's one of the reasons why DeAndre Hopkins wanted to play with him again, because he knows how well he does that. So that is definitely not an issue of Deshaun's. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I did want to ask you about Miles Garrett because that's a similarity that the Raiders have as well, an all-pro edge rusher, but he doesn't really get that much help from his teammates. What have the Browns done this offseason to maybe give Miles Garrett some relief when it comes to rushing the quarterback? Well, they've completely beefed up their defensive line. They added Darius Smith from the Vikings, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Vikings. Uh, they they added Ogo, Obo Okoronkwo, um, from the Titans. So these guys have really uh, done a nice job of, of adding other guys who can get to the quarterback, who can take some of that pressure off of Miles Garrett, who can complement him very well. Now they can move all these different guys around inside and outside. And Jim Schwartz loves to just send his guys. It's a very attack-minded defense, and I expect Miles Garrett to have a very big season. And then looking at the AFC North as a whole, the Browns, they finished last in the division last year. But this division, every team, it looks like they improved in the offseason. So what is their realistic outlook when it comes to their chances of winning the division this year? 
Well, it's just going to be tough. It's a really, really tough division uh, with the Bengals. We all know what the Bengals are all about. And then Lamar Jackson now, uh, you know, being back healthy, and he's got Rashard Bateman back healthy. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. with him. He's got Zay Flowers. Uh, he, he's got a lot of weapons. And uh, you just absolutely cannot count out the Ravens. And then the Steelers are always tough. So it certainly won't be easy to win the division, but the Browns do have the talent to do it. I just think it's going to be a dogfight all the way through. Yeah, and it's going to be a dogfight because I was looking at an article last week and it said, hey, the most overlooked teams this offseason heading into the 2023 season, and Pittsburgh was one of those teams. I don't necessarily think of them as overlooked because they've got Mike Tomlin. You know what you're going to get good from them every year in and year out, at least a 500 team. But is there any talk that maybe Kenny Pickett, that he's going to make a leap this year and that the AFC North should look out because Kenny Pickett is on the rise? Well, you know, Kenny showed a lot of moxie last year and a lot of poise and a lot of really great things for a young quarterback. And he could be on the rise. You know, sometimes those young quarterbacks take that requisite leap in that second year. Sometimes they don't. So it'll be up to Kenny to see what he can do. But he definitely showed some things just in terms of of toughness and the ability to come back and and hang with it in, in a big game. The moment wasn't too big for him, and he seems to fit right in there in Pittsburgh. And this was something that was talked about last year with the AFC West where, oh, my gosh, has there ever been a division where all four teams make the playoffs? And we saw that, hey, guys, early on in the season. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But when you look at the AFC East, the AFC North, and the AFC West, you could realistically say, hey, three teams from that division could make the playoffs. Do you think that the AFC North is that division this year? Yeah, I mean, I I really could see it. It's, um, It's an incredibly, incredibly tough division. Uh, with some really, really good quarterbacks, some good defenses, and uh, anything can happen because the AFC is just uh, just so tough and there are so many good quarterbacks all across the board, but certainly some of the best of those are right here in the AFC North. Uh, Mary, last one on the on Deshaun Watson, also in this article that you mentioned with him playing a full season, could, we could potentially see Nick Chubb's carries decline a little bit and him be used more in the passing game how do you think uh the how do you think the browns are going to be able to use him more in that passing capacity instead of the rushing where he has been very successful well i still think nick chubb will run the ball a lot i don't think that they're going to abandon the running game especially because of you know the weather here in november and december and this still is AFC North football, and these are still the Cleveland Browns. So I still think that you'll see plenty of Nick Chubb running the ball. But Kareem Hunt is no longer here, so I do think that Nick will probably get the ball more out of the backfield. Uh, I think he'll be used more in the passing game. And, um, you know, he just might get more touches. And, you know, he might not have fewer rushing yards, but I think he'll have more passing yards, catching yards. Again, we're talking to Mary Kay Cabot here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio. Before we get you out of here, I've got to ask, because something in Vegas that is always a draw in the summer is the Battle for Vegas charity softball game between the Golden Knights and the Raiders. And I see that Greg Newsom II, he had a celebrity softball game this past weekend. How was it? Well, first of all, when is that softball game? Because I'm heading out to (laughs) Vegas on Friday. Maybe I'll go to it. 
Oh no, it's not until next month. But I'm telling you, it is it is one of those things at the LV ballpark for the uh, for the for the AAA team, the uh, Aviators. That's where they play it at, and it's one of the biggest draws in the city since they've been doing it. I mean, it, it's must see TV. I'm just going to say it. Oh well, too bad I'll have to miss it. Darn it! Coming um, on Friday, though, but, man, come on. Come on early. Yeah, but um, Greg Greg's event was really nice. Terrell Owens showed up. Uh, Donovan Mitchell of the Cavs showed up. Uh, a bunch of his Browns teammates were there. It was a, it was a really fun event, and it always is a big draw here as well. Best player that was participating? Donovan Mitchell. He won the uh, home run derby with 11 home runs in 60 seconds, I think it was. Man, look at the spider. Man, <laughs> yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Absolutely. Who would have thought it? Mary Kay, thank you so much for joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness. Before we let you go, let everybody else know what you got going on. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at Mary Kay Cabot. You can find me there and, uh, gearing up for Brown's training camp. They're starting the first eight days of it down at the Greenbrier Resort. So looking forward to that. Sounds fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe for... a little too fancy, but, <laughs> but we're there. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy Vegas when you come out this weekend. I will. Thanks a lot. And that was Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with your calls and texts here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to the show. If you're just now joining us, it's Damon Cotton. Danny Smythe and Jared Justice just talked to Mary Kay Cabot from the from Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. I love it when you talk to a guest and they say, hey, they're coming out to Vegas. And I initially always want to throw my hat in the ring and be like, hey, let's hang out. But it's like, they don't, don't want to hang out. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things you, you reflexively want to say it. And I don't know if you guys are the same way when anybody says they're coming out. Like maybe let's say a family member. Hey, coming out to Vegas. It's like, oh, man, we got we to gotta, we gotta, we gotta meet up when you get in town. Well, it's just a reflex. We had uh, we had Jason Fitz on ESPN. He's a, one of our weekly guests, and he was talking about coming out for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he did. He ended up coming out twice, actually. And uh, we were supposed to meet up because me and him had a big debate one morning, pie versus cake. I'm a pie guy. He despises pie. I despise cake. We went back and forth. It was fun. Why not both? I mean, come on, come on, guys. Why not both? But if you want to be a part of anything that we've talked about today, pie or cake, or what do you expect from the Raiders in the 2023 season, let us know about it on the phone lines now. ABA Ivan Davis, what's going on, brother? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, so the subject today is most improvement, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other okay, uh, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I really think that they're going to come into their uh, to their own this season. I think that the second half of the season where they really did a really good job at, at stopping the rush, and I think that new continuity and the second time in the offense, if that comes together, then I think that the offense is going to be uh, be a juggernaut. I mean, I see people you know slobbering all over San Francisco's offensive uh, play caller and how good he is. I just think that come, Jimmy G coming into this offense, if he's healthy, there's just not going to be uh, any drop-off because I think we have a, just as good a play caller as San Francisco does. 
Plus, I don't like the 49ers, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> got it in. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just ref- – now, that's a reflex. I just – nothing like about the 49ers. Okay, but anyway, so that's all I have, man. Good good job. Uh, is, is the app going to get fixed to where I can get the radio through the app? I I do not have an answer for the, rap, for the app, but if you do go to just Raiders.com, it's playing just fine on Raiders.com if you want to just, you know, go through your web browser and play it for there if that's a – if that's an alternative for you. Oh, okay, cool. Because I've been struggling. All right, thanks a lot. Good job on your on, on your on your backup over there. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was AVA Ivan Davis. Yeah, guys, for those who have experienced some trouble with the app, I'll be honest. I do not have the answers for you. I have been seeing the tweets. I, Jared, do you have more, I, I, more insight I on this? may not have an answer for them, but okay. we are aware of the problem, and it is being worked on. That's what, I mean. There is communication. Like, it's not just everyone's like, the app is down, and we're like, well, you're going to have to deal with that. No, no. We're working on it. It's just not, it's not that easy of a fix sometimes. Well, if you want to ha- you give your complaints, uh, that's Jared Justice. That's the person who's just telling you to be patient. Not I, though. I want answers, and I want them now. <laughs> I'm with you, Raider Nation. I am angry. I am upset. I'm not just going to tell you to be patient, but I can't do anything about it either. So, Be patient. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up at 3.30, we are going to be talking to Emory Emory Hunt. He is the owner of Football Game Plan, and you can also check him out on CBS Sports and the uh, Ross Tucker podcast. He's on with him a lot. Going to be talking a lot about spring football leagues because the XFL – the Vegas Vipers, they had their draft recently. The USFL, championship week for them. See what's going on there. And then the Canadian Football League. I mean, all spring football. Danny's trying to dabble when it comes to his gambling in the Canadian Football League. Not being that successful. But what you see in these leagues, it's, it's pretty impressive to me because I know people say, I love football, I can watch football wherever. So for me, it's not so much about, let's say, the secondary leagues here in the U.S., where it's, are they successful? Can they compete with the NFL? What are their ratings looking like on TV? I don't care about any of that at all. I'm just happy to see guys who are still trying to get that next shot or get back to the NFL, that they've got an outlet to pursue those career aspirations. And at the end of the day, I mean – Football's football. If you want to watch it, you're going to watch it. One of the things I really enjoy about these spring leagues is if you ever were the guy who, like, on a random Tuesday would wind up watching, like, Conference USA football games, you'll see, like, a defensive tackle and you'll go, wait, 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 wait. I think I know that last name. And then you'll Google him and you'll be like, yeah, I watched him on a Tuesday in October three years ago. And so it is really, there is, like, this kind of cool element of, like, I know him. He played for Fresno, and I watched him tackle UNLV's quarterback. I do enjoy those those spring leagues because, like you mentioned, they offer a place for players to go who either weren't drafted or didn't play the previous season, and they get to improve and keep their skill work up to potentially, hopefully, as we've already seen with numerous players from the XFL – that they get invited to camps with NFL teams. So it's a, I think it's a great thing for players, for athletes, for even even viewers. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I know for me, for the XFL, it was a really rewarding experience to watch those guys. I mean, already, sadly, I mean, but, you know, these things happen parted ways with head coach Rod Woodson. So it's just going to be exciting to see when that league comes back, if it comes back, but I do think that they will because – 
You saw people talk about the Rockets. Like, hey, he lost $60 million. This league is, is tanking. It's not going anywhere. But seems like everyone in the know that says, hey, man, that's, that's the cost of doing business. That's a startup for you. You know, you're not just going to start a new company and then the first year in, yeah, guys, we're, we're killing it in the profits. This is the most successful thing that's ever happened in the world of business. That's just not what people should expect. So, like I said, can't wait to talk to Emory when we get back. Just more about is there room, is there an appetite mainly, is there an appetite for, hey, two different spring football leagues, one that's not so much trying to be, be a competitor, but one in the XFL that's, hey, we want to work with the NFL in conjunction with the NFL and basically be that farm league. And I know so many people, they always say, oh, the NFL farm team, it's, it's college football, it's Alabama. Yeah, but to a certain extent, because I don't care which sport it is, there are always guys that slip through the cracks for whatever reason. And maybe this is the avenue for them to get that shot, as I mentioned earlier. And there's also people like Ben DiNucci and mm-hmm. Josh Gordon, who were in the league, fell out of the league for various reasons, and now they're trying to work their way back into the league, which I think this is great for them. And Ben DiNucci is one of those players who did get signed by the NFL. I mean, the Sea Dragons were a fun team to watch. They went for three just about every time. I mean, God. The D.C. Defenders were also great watch until that championship dud. Ah, man. But Bob Stoops, come on, man. Stoops. But the- Oklahoma's kicking themselves now. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. The, the example I always like to go to, especially why we need leagues like this, is Cameron Wake who had to go to the CFL in order to like get the shine that he actually deserved once he got back to the NFL. But that's that that used to be your only option was, I guess I'm going up to Toronto and going to try to get enough stuff on tape that... Play for the Argonauts. Yeah, that's, you know, that you can then get another opportunity where the great thing about these leagues is it's like, okay, I got fresh tape. I got fresh tape. I can, <laughs> I can, I can show up Tuesday. You need me to you need me me to show up. I'll show up. And we are also going to talk about the AFC West as well with Emory Hunt. And all of that is coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio. And I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, Emory Hunt. You can follow him at FB Game Plan on Twitter. Listen to him on CBS Sports, the Ross Tucker Podcast. Emery, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, yeah, man. So much to talk to you about. I mean, spring football, can't get enough of that. But also, I did see that you had an AFC West preview as well earlier in the week. So I've got to talk to you about the AFC West. The Las Vegas Raiders, where do you have them ranked going into this 2023 season? I think they finished fourth in the division, you know, to be honest. Uh, you know, when you think about the question marks going into the season, how healthy is Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he going to be there for the full 17-game season? If so, it definitely balances things out. But when you look at the rest of the division, it's going to be a dogfight. I look at the AFC West like I look at the AFC North. You know, you don't want to be the team in the division that has the worst quarterback situation. And right now, that's the Raiders. So, like, defensive line is going to be vastly improved. I love what they've been able to build, you know, through the draft and what they already have. And so, I'm a big fan of their secondary. I think their secondary has a lot of potential. I hope they keep Hunter Renfro at receiver and don't move on from him. 
and I love the tight end depth. So this is a group that has some some options, but when you look at the division as a whole, in conjunction with what I feel like is going to be a very competitive AFC, you know, it's going to be tough for the Raiders unless they get stellar play from the QB position. Hold on, you just said something that really excited me there because I haven't heard a lot of people say it. You said you also like the secondary. Which players on the secondary, who did they add that you say, hey, I think that they can be a difference maker or a playmaker for the Raiders? You know, honestly, I'm a big fan of Meek Robertson. always been a fan of him. My man. But also, Chris Smith, the second, he was my number one free safety in the class. I I love his smarts, his instincts, his awareness, his ball skills. I keep bringing up the... Oregon game, and because it was just so impressive to see him do this in real time. You know, one play, uh, Bo Nixon in, in the passing game got him, you know, looking underneath. He jumped underneath the route and he hit a, a big play going over his head. The second series, they tried to do the same concept. He baited Bo Nixon in, stepped in front of the ball, picked it off, and went back the other way. So that shows you the type of awareness, won't make the same mistake twice type ability that they bring to the table. And Jakari and Bennett. You know, when you go back and watch Maryland, I think Maryland got the reason why they were so good, him and Deontay Banks, was the fact that they were battle tested within their own program. So they had four receivers that were legit dogs. So by the time they got the game day, going against other teams' receivers, they were well equipped to go one on one, playing man coverage. I thought the Raiders did a good job with those guys. Uh, in addition to what they already have in Trayvon Morris. And, and David Long and Nate Hobbs, like they're they're not bad on the back end. Hey, Emery, you mentioned on the Ross Tucker podcast that you think Aiden O'Connell is or should be QB two for the Raiders, sitting right behind Garoppolo, and that may upset our uh, our producer today in Jared because he is a big Hoyer fan. So I was curious, what did you see from Aiden O'Connell in college that you really like and that you want him to be a QB too? Well, first of all, he's like 30 years younger than Hoyer. Like Hoyer <laughs> too mean. Make too Hoyer mean. Coach. <laughs> make him a coach. You know what I'm saying? Stop holding up a roster for a guy that can't help you win games. Aiden O'Connell, to me, um, at least can be – I think he's already better than Hoyer. Hoyer just knows the system, which, again, he's a coach. So, but O'Connell's skill set, I think it's kind of telling me for how the league used to be, you know, because he, he's not the best athlete, and you worry about things having to be perfect for him in the pocket for him to have success. But what I do like about his game, which is something that you can't quantify with statistics, is that he's going to c- continue to battle throughout the whole game. You know, you go back and watch the Music City Bowl against Tennessee. I want to say their game went to – four overtime, something crazy like that. You go and watch the opener this past season against Penn State. He's going toe-to-toe with Penn State. And he never, it's that never-say-die attitude that he has that I really like about his game. He, everything comes out of fastball. You know, you know, he's going to have to develop a changeup. But, you know, that's something you like. You like the toughness, you like the competitiveness. But also with people on change, Garbers, too. Garbers can play some ball as well. Again, we're talking to Emory on. Hunt here on Unnecessary Roughness. You can follow him at FB Game Plan on Twitter. Emery, so I've got to ask you about the rest of the AFC West because we know that it's stacked. I mean, it's a division that people say, hey, maybe three teams could make the playoffs. But what do you think separates those other three teams from the Raiders? What do they have that they don't outside of quarterback? Denver has the best coaching setup. You got Vance Joseph on defense, Sean Payton, the head coach, and Clay Carlo on offense, and you got a future Hall of Famer at Russell Wilson with a ton of weapons on both sides of the ball. We saw them lose games 
six three last year. So all they got to do is not average six points a game on offense. They'll be fine. I think that's going to help happen for them. Kansas City is a reigning Super Bowl champion. As long as they have Patrick Mahomes and also, um, you know, Andy Reid, they're going to be in great shape. And, again, I think they got better on offense, you know, with the, with the piece they've added along the offensive line is DeJuan Taylor and also uh, Donovan Smith. And I think their secondary, they played young last year with three rookies, and all three guys now got game experience, Super Bowl experience. You expect them to take the next step this season. The Chargers on paper, ton of weapons, ton of offensive firepower. Defensively, I love the fact that they went ahead and got Deion Henley, who was my number one inside linebacker. Tui Tupolatu out of USC was my number two edge rusher. So I really like what they did defensively. We'll see if those two pieces – can play alongside a healthy Bosa and a healthy Khalil Mack for a full 17-game season. You like Asante Samuel, uh, you know, Jr. For me, the question about the Chargers is mainly can they run the football? Will they be committed enough to run? They're built to throw it all day long, but you don't close out games that way. But there's enough elite pieces in all of those three teams that I mentioned uh, that gives you the, the edge over the Raiders, in my opinion. Do you think that either the Broncos or the Chargers could challenge the Chiefs for that top spot in the division? Possibly, especially the Broncos. The Broncos got a defense, and um, their defense was excellent. I don't see them having to drop off with Vance jo- uh, Joseph. Um, and I know Sean Payton knows offense, and they, their tight end situation is set up like the Raiders' tight end situation. They have a lot of depth and a lot of good pieces that you can get on the field at the same time. And we know Sean Payton is a matchup type of a guy. So he's going to find the right matchup for the personnel that he has. You question their run game. Will they be able to run the football? How healthy is their run game? I thought this would be a potential place for them to, to find a Dalvin Cook that could add some explosiveness, but we'll see um, how healthy Javante Williams is and, and some IZP Ryan what he could bring to the table. Um, and I was a big fan of Tyler Beatty coming out of you know Missouri, uh, but you know, one thing I know about Sean Payton, he's going to find him a, a, a run game, not necessarily one back, but he's going to find a productive run game. And Russell Wilson, I thought last year was an anomaly. So I can see the Broncos more so challenging the Chiefs than I can see the Chargers, but the Chargers have that level of explosiveness that they are always one big clear away from making it happen. Emory, I want to turn the page over to some spring football because nobody, I think you're one of the best followers on Twitter when it comes to XFL, USFL, even the CFL. You've got it all covered, but I want to start with the XFL because we saw the reports after this past season. Hey, The Rock lost a report at $60 million. But to me, as someone who was on the radio call for the Vegas Vipers, I'm like, hey, that's the cost of doing business. Do you see it that way as well that, hey, these are just the growing pains that a new league is just going to have to face? Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like people just – I don't know what people like nowadays because they hate everything. You know, and when you lose 60 and no one talks about how much of that probably was the 23 that they bought out of uh, – bought the XL out of bankruptcy. You had to buy the entity first, and then you have to jump start it. Uh, so, yeah, it costs to start a league. This is year one. You figure year two, you won't have those same startup costs, so now you can see a little bit of, you know, the finish line in terms of your losses. The football is great. They, they can't question the football. And if people – I brought this up a couple of weeks ago um, when I was covering the FXFL, which was the precursor to the Spring League, which was then the precursor to the USFL. So 
one of the head coaches for the Brooklyn Bolts said, somebody asked him a question in the post-game meeting, uh, post-game media conference, said, well, you know, do you think this league will survive? And he said something that was so prophetic. He said, it will survive based on how you guys write about it. You know, and, and that's so true. I'm not saying you could be Pollyanna, but if everything comes out negative, you can influence how public perception is. But if you write things in a, you know, a, a way that people can, in an encouraging way, people get behind things, people start to support things, and things could sustain itself over time. So I'm glad you brought that up, and I think a lot of it is just sheer negativity that's in our society right now. And also, I want to also talk about the XFL draft because they're still going strong. Had their 2023 draft, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. Who was the pool of players that the XFL was drafting from? Guys that were uh, of this draft class, of the 2023 draft class, that was not on uh, current rosters, you know, 90-man NFL rosters. So a lot of, a lot of these guys we saw were, were in this particular draft class. So, again, and this is where the competition between the two leagues are, are taking place. You want to secure rights for the upcoming season. You know, you want to continue to stockpile talent and therefore deplete talent options for the other league. But the beautiful thing about this country is that there's an abundance of talent. So it doesn't matter if you have a draft and then a supplemental draft later on, um, you're going to, there's still going to be more players out there to fill both league rosters and even so to expand, like I've talked about before. So there's no downside of talent, but this talent for the XFL came from this year's draft class. You guys just talked about how the XFL lost $60 million, I believe, was the number in the first season. And as you mentioned, some of that could have been startup funds and other very, however they spent that money. But I personally don't think that it's going to be folding anytime soon. I enjoyed watching it. But do you think, because when I went to the uh, Vegas Vipers games, I think I went to two, maybe three of them. Do you, and the the crowd wasn't as big as if you look around the league and you look at D.C. or you look at what you saw in uh, St. Louis or even throughout Texas. Do you think it might be a little too early to talk about potential teams, uh, the Vegas Vipers specifically, moving based on the attendance? Yeah, I think so. I think it's too early. And, and as with anything, people need to know it's going to be around. You know, so think about it. The XFL is in its third iteration. So it doesn't shock me that people are hesitant about going to invest time, money, and effort into going to see a spring league that may not be around next year, right? So I understand the hesitancy. And when you think about the Vegas Vipers, that's one reason why their situation is unique. But it was a big reason why they waited to announce the Vegas team and where they were going to play you know i think people just assume they're going to play at a legion stadium but when you think about all those things that have to get you know i's dotted and t's crossed they kind of was hey we well we got to use this situation now going in you now know a stadium is going to be in you can better plan events around it you you hope that they're going to have more advantageous scheduling options in terms of people not figuring out what time the game is what station or is it going to be moved or whatnot? So I feel like Vegas' growth, as you start to see when they turn around, when they went to McClendon at quarterback and they started to win some games and look exciting on offense, you start to see a little bit more fans show up. So 
I feel like we'll see a better version of Vegas this upcoming season now that things are a little bit more stable and situated uh, going into year two. And that stadium in question that they ended up playing at was Cashman Field. Do you think um, the XFL might talk to the people who own and run the field and talk to them about the playing conditions? Because at the beginning of the season, the field was getting torn up anytime there was a drop of water on there. Yeah, if it was me, that that conversation would have been had <laughs> immediately after we saw the the first you know conditions where they had to spray paint the field. Like that conversation, listen, next year we can't have this. Otherwise, that's when you start to kind of strong on some people and be like, hey, you know, maybe we could find another a venue, another stadium. You know, I, I know people brought up Bishop Gorman. That that'll work. You know, that'll that'll be fine just for TV and. And, um, and and to play these games, you know, maybe two or three home games a season. Uh, but they have to get their stuff together in order to, for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that those conversations would have been had game one. If you read the tea leaves on social media, it's like that was just a bad look for the league and also for Vegas. Again, we're talking to Amory on here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now moving over to the USFL Championship Week here. Birmingham Stallions versus the Pittsburgh Maulers. What should we expect here in this game? Is this going to be an upset a la what we saw in the XFL championship game? It's tough, man. You know, I didn't see Pittsburgh or Michigan scoring that many points in the conference championship game. So, you know, you always have a shot. But, man, it's hard to to really envision that offense of Pittsburgh. And, uh, And here's what I say about their offense. They don't have any explosive plays coming out of the backfield. It feels like their run game is three fullbacks. And so when you look at how Birmingham is set up, they get aggressive defensively. If they stop the run and you want to make this a Troy Williams versus Alex Magoo game, that favors Birmingham. And, oh, by the way, Birmingham can also run the football too. Yes, you're going up against a great defense and a great special team, so Birmingham can't get bored like they tend to do in games. You know, they'll get bored. Another team could start completing the passes, let them score a little point, some points. That can't happen against Pittsburgh. So, you know, I feel like when you look at Birmingham, by them being more of a complete team with a quarterback that has that dog in them and is a dual threat, it's going to be – Pittsburgh has their work cut out for them. They got this far, and, you know, there's no – participation trophies no yeah you know there's no uh moral victories but they go have to take one i feel like in this because birmingham is too complete all right you mentioned how the birmingham stallions they are the most complete team in the league but can you give us some more insight on what makes them so dominant this is the part that people forgot about when they're talking about usfl in year two it's continuity we haven't really seen continuity in spring leagues right because they've been gone one year and and the next year there's they're they're not existing anymore. So by them being in their second year, same coaching staff, a majority of their players return. I want to say about a good sixty percent of their players return. So they have comfort within the scheme. They understand what's going on. They've already played together. So that continuity has now given itself to execution, and with execution comes comes confidence. So when you're executing at a high level. You start to believe in your, yourself, believe in your team, and now you go out there instead of hoping to win, you expect to win, and you expect to win big. Look at the difference between C.J. Marable last year and how he's run the ball this year. Last year, 
he was behind the both Scarborough and was only getting maybe five carries a game here or there. Now, because of injuries in the preseason, he had to be the lead dog, and he's been answering the bell every time. So you like the fact that this team has continuity, not a lot of turnover, and that's why their play has been flawless and has been excellent. And I think that shows you the potential of both spring league as a lot of these players start to realize, like, you know what, man, I'm sick of playing that NFL training camp, not really getting reps type game. I'm going to come here and establish myself in a different league and really become a pro here and have success, put out great teams, make some good money, and then just be happy with my football career there. And that's what we were seeing from Birmingham. That's what we saw a little bit from New Orleans, although they had a quarterback change and a coaching change. But a lot of those players, especially on defense, were back from last year. That's why their defense was really good. So I think continuity is the biggest difference that we're seeing from Birmingham um, this year more so than what we saw last year. Lastly, I want to ask you about the CFL because my man Danny here, he's recently just started putting money on CFL games with little to no knowledge. So if people are going to, because I know you know the numbers well, just as good as you actually know the ball. So when it comes to betting on CFL games, who are some of the teams that maybe people, if you're going to be like Danny and just look at two names, who should you be picking? You you got to look at, with the CFL, you have to look at quarterbacks. As with the NFL, as with college football, whoever has the best quarterback, nine times out of ten, that team is going to win. But with the CFL, it's unique because um, the game is so fast and the game constantly moves. So you kind of probably want to stay away from over-unders because things can get out of hand. But in terms of just picking straight-up winners and also using the, the, the point spread, anything over – if it's, if it's a, anything over five, let's say against the spread – that team is pretty doggone good, and you can kind of trust that team is going to take care of business. But when it's close, you just kind of want to stay away from the point spread and maybe go straight money line and put together a little uh, four-team parlay that way. But it's, it really comes down to quarterback play. If this team has the best quarterback, at 9 times 10, they're going to find a way to win the game. All right, Emery. I mean, you've co- you cover football like one of the best out there. I know you're probably already getting started on your college football scouting for next year as your guide is one of the most expansive that's out there. But what else do you got going on and coming up? Well, get ready for the college football season in terms of my broadcast. You know, my schedule is starting to uh, fill up, and, you know, I'm excited about where I'm going to be on Saturdays calling games. So uh, I can't wait to, you know, be in the booth again and, and continue to expand on that. And you'll see me doing more CBS stuff here in the summer and, lead into the season, and you may even see some CBS college games. Who knows? So um, it's an exciting time, and it's always a, a, a good deal when there's more football. So you'll never hear, you know, any bad days coming from my end. All right, booked and busy. Love to see it. Thank you for coming on with us. Appreciate you guys having me on. And that was Emory Hunt, and you can follow him at FB, at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to close out the hour here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And welcome back, and in next hour, we're going to be talking to David Roth from Defector.com. You know, talk a little baseball, whatever else is on his mind, but baseball is really fresh in my mind because this past weekend, I did one of the, uh, one of the good pastimes for me 
I fired up the old PlayStation 2 and played some MVP Baseball 2005. Wow! I think the best baseball game ever made. It, it did. It's very good. Any objections? <laughs> I don't know if I played it, so I can't object. Oh, man, MVP Baseball, Manny Ramirez on the cover. But one of the things... <laughs> go ahead, Jared. No, I was just trying to remember. Was that the one where uh, Barry Bonds was... Uh... John Dowd. That's what it is! <laughs> they made Barry... They did Barry Bonds dirty, but at the same time... <laughs> yeah, Barry Bonds is not in the game, so there's just a created character, John Dowd, who has all of his attributes. And if you simulate a season, that guy's cleaning up and everything. Home runs, RBIs, batting average. Man. They also just absolutely changed the way the man looked. <laughs> yes, John Dowd is a white man in the game. That is based off Barry Bonds, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, that way there's no mistake. No, 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 this is not Barry Bonds. This is John Dowd of the San Francisco Giants. I don't know why you would think it's Barry Bonds. Just because we technically say that he has the home run record. Yes. When you look up stats, different guy. Yeah, I mean... Just a random guy who could possibly be on the San Francisco Giants. But another game that's been, like, taken over for me is the Immaculate Grid. And we're also going to talk about that because it was, like, the only thing I requested today from Jared and Danny was play this game before the show so we can talk about it. That's the only thing that I texted them for the only learning, the only required thing for today's show. Hey, play this game so we can talk about it on the show. And we'll do that next hour. And we're going to be giving away some tickets to go see the Aviators. Your chance to win tickets to go see the Aviators. There you go, Jared. I saved myself there. Don't worry. And you can also be a part of the show at 702-365-9200 or text us on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187. Don't go anywhere. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.